0: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
1: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card,
2: right this way.
1: It's nice to try someone else's
3: food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with AMAX.
4: What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen the Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
6: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture zero foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past and connecting history to the present embark on a journey with zero foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. it's not merely our products it's about the ethos that we embody rugged resilient and timeless
2: you are listening to the dan patrick show on fox sports radio final hour on this wednesday more phone calls Touched on a variety of topics. Rob Gronkowski, is he truly retired? When does the NFL discipline Deshaun Watson? When are the other four cases going to be settled? And of course, the topic that kind of took over the show, Seton O'Connor found out that Colin Morikawa, you would have thought in the headlines because he's not going to the Live Tour, the uh, golfer, he's uh, he puts uh, milk in his uh, cereal bowl and then puts the cereal on top of that. We did reach out to Colin Morikawa for a comment or see if he would join us, and um, he is passing. Paulie reached out to Kellogg's as well.
0: I, I their R and D division. They've got multiple emails from me. All right, thank you.
2: Yes, we've got the I team on this. Wait, eight seven seven three DP show email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle the DP show. Say good morning to those watching on Peacock. And uh, our radio affiliates around the country, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, thank you for your support. In today's NFL, an elite tight end is widely considered one of the most elusive athletes to uh, get. Trying to find a guy, game-changing tight end, a guy who is going to be too big for your average cornerback, maybe a little faster than your uh, linebacker, uh, trying to cover him. We just had Darren Waller on. He's a uh, all-pro We had uh, Travis Kelsey on recently. These are guys who make big plays. But you can go back. It started with Mike Ditka, John Mackey, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Kellen Winslow. They sort of changed the game because it was, that's a big guy who can get off the line of scrimmage, and he can also beat you down the field. And he's a great blocker. Uh, George Kittle, great blocker, great tight end. Now you have Gronk. You know, Gronk, when when you look back on what Belichick did with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, he thought, okay, I don't have those special wide receivers, but I have two tight ends who can beat you down the field. And nobody had employed two tight ends that had that kind of ability. And make no mistake about it, Aaron Hernandez had a lot of ability. He might have been more talented than Gronk. Obviously, he had his issues. But Gronk, Gronk is announcing his retirement, even though... I would, I could see a mid-season return. But, you know, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, they become dominant forces in the passing game. And maybe Gronk, uh, first battle Hall of Famer, is going to add to those numbers at some point. If not this year, then next year, because his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, after Gronk announced his retirement, said, nah, I don't know, I could see him coming back if Tom calls him. If not this year, then next year. The next year part of it is what stood out to me. This maybe Gronk says, Let me see where Tom ends up next year. Does Tom want to play another season elsewhere next year? Does Gronk want to try out the media again? He worked for Fox before. And trying to create a role for, for Gronk is I think is going to be tricky. Is he a studio guy? Could I put him on the field the way Fox did with Tony Siragusa? Could he give me more of an up-close, first-hand look at something? The feel of a game, and you have Gronk down there. I don't see him doing games. Maybe a second screen. Julian Edelman, Gronk, maybe somebody else in there, and then they just rip it up a little bit. You know, Maybe you do that on a Thursday night. Maybe you just let them have fun, tell stories. Not as an analyst, but... If Gronk goes in, somebody's going to pay a lot for Gronk. I just don't know how you put him into play. Um, because I, I I want to see him. I want the personality. He doesn't strike me as an X's and O's guy. You know, we already went down the Jason Witten uh, hole, and that didn't work out. But Gronk is media savvy. I just don't know. You know, when it comes to calling a football game... Yeah. The audience wants to still be told about a football game. What's going to happen? What could happen? Why did something happen? I don't know if Gronk is that that kind of guy. I don't know if he looks at the game that way. But he's going to have opportunities, that's for sure. And uh, I don't think that he is fully
0: retired right now. Yeah, Paul? I went back and looked at a couple of Rob Gronkowski draft profiles, and they were almost all good. They said he didn't have high-end speed or breakaway ability. But the discussion of his back issues from college were yeah. very serious. Some people, they said, did not have him as a top three rounds because you don't want to invest in a guy with back issues. And he would have been late first round if there was no back issues. And they got Aaron Hernandez and the Patriots in the same draft, I think in round four. Hernandez had not a lot of red flags. They just said they weren't sure what position he was. Was he a big wide receiver or an undersized tight end? He had red
2: flags, we just didn't see them up the flagpole. They weren't public as much. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff that was covered up with Aaron Hernandez. And then eventually you're like, wait, the red flags are right there on the flagpole. We just didn't see him raised. All right, poll question for the final hour, Seton, what are we going to go with?
1: Well, Dan, for hour two, we put up next January, Gronk will be either playing (laughs) in the playoffs, calling playoff games, or hosting a, a Vegas pool party. Yeah. 67% of the audience went with Vegas. Yeah, I I would, too. Maybe it might be a little too on the nose. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, We're still at 95%, too. With You put cereal, then milk, not milk, then cereal.
2: Yeah, this one kind of took over the show. uh, First half of the uh, first hour, Seton said, oh, I'm going to tell you this, but it's going to take over the show. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh how controversial is this going to be? And then it turned out to be very controversial. Extremely. Yes, it it was. The comment section's getting a little nasty. Oh, it is? (laughs) No, not really, but kind of. A lot of people being called crazy or psycho. Oh, so you had people who were trying to validate as to why, give logic as to why they put milk in and then they put the cereal on top. Like this person, wrote, this is actually a great comment.
1: Let's put this breakfast fail to rest. (laughs) Stores sell single-serve bowls of cereal so you can pour milk in... Like a successful human being. (laughs) I've yet to see bowls of single-serve milk to pour into my cereal. So why is that? I think the answer is clear. Cereal first. Hashtag cereal first.
2: Oh, hashtag cereal first. That's trending. (laughs) Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Congrats to uh, my Golden State Warriors. We got some t-shirts at danpatrick.com. Uh, Penny's Bang Biscuits, a lot of great things there. Very proud of uh, the products that we have to sell you. Tonight, pivotal game four, my lightning against the Avalanche. The British Open is going to take golfers from the Live Tour. Daniel Snyder is in the crosshairs again. I don't know if it matters as far as, you know, the future of him owning the Commanders, but feels like it's every year. There's something that comes up with uh, Daniel Snyder, but he doesn't get uh, disciplined. But we're waiting for Deshaun Watson to get disciplined. He settled with 20 of the 24 uh, civil suits, the women who have accused him. And uh, I don't know what you do with the other four. And I think, if I have this right, that they won't have a trial during the football season. That both sides agreed to that, that this would be heard after the season. Now, what do you do if you're the NFL what would be the appropriate disciplinary action for Watson? My thought was, if you look at this through the lens of what happened with Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers, that's two years. I would sit down to Sean Watson for a year. And then how about when your, your cases are settled, you can come back and play football. How about we do that? Now you want to settle them before. Okay. But You 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 get those taken care of and then you can come back and play because I don't know why he settled now, because I keep thinking, how does this help his case? You got to look at it and go, okay, what else is attached to this? You have these. Hey, we settled. Now, we haven't heard from him. We haven't heard from his attorney. We haven't heard any numbers here. No trials for civil cases against Deshaun Watson will be uh, held during the 2022 season. Fritzie just sent me this note. Watson's attorney and the attorney representing the plaintiffs have agreed not to schedule trials on the civil cases from August 1st through March 1st. If I'm the commissioner, I'd say, I'm going to put the onus on you. Uh, And if you know you're going to be suspended, why are you settling them? Because I thought, okay, let's speed this up so I can play this season. He might be suspended the entire year. If, if you're hearing the words significant, unprecedented. unprecedented. Unprecedented is different than significant. Calvin Ridley got a year for betting on football. I'm thinking a year, a season, for Deshaun Watson. Trevor Bauer, two seasons. Yeah, Seaton. But you know, I I hate to bring it up, but Pete Rose,
1: he got the harshest suspension of anybody ever, and there are people in baseball who've done way worse things.
2: Yeah. But he broke a posted rule in every lock, locker room, and it was that that was a fixed punishment. You're going to get a lifetime ban. Now. Pete said he didn't know at the time that that's what he was signing away. And he thought because he's Pete Rose, they'll be like, they're not going to suspend me forever. And they have. Absolutely. All right. Uh, King in St. Louis joins us. Hi, King. Hey, DP. How are you doing? Good, sir. So I have a quick um, idea for a poll question and a quick question for you. Okay.
4: So the poll question is, now that the, NBC, the NBA season is officially over, um, who was a more annoying player during the playoffs between draymond green and patrick beverly and i'm even willing to take <laughs> a pie to the face that at the end the answer is going to be yes
2: patrick beverly
4: let's see how and the other question is um so um in light of uh tom brady getting that nice payday from fox after he retires and he doesn't have any uh broadcasting experience what would the market had been if someone like Ron Burgundy or Jimmy Jimerson would have decided to go into the broadcasting booth? Right. And um, I will hypothetically, I will hypothetically stay on the line and take your thank answer. Thank you,
2: thank the you, King.
0: thank you, King. <laughs> yeah. snarky? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well,
2: Jimmy Jimerson.
4: You forgot
5: about
1: uh, Patrick Beverly and how annoying he was. Yeah, that... Dray- Draymond really took that
2: torch and ran with it. Okay, uh, who was more annoying, Patrick Beverly when he was on the mothership? or Draymond Green in the first couple of games of the NBA Finals. You can make an argument, Patrick Beverly, he had more airtime. I mean, Draymond only had a couple of moments there, but both of these guys doing what they get paid to do, You know, Patrick Beverly is like, um, I can't guard anybody anymore. Might as well see if I can slip into uh, the media. Yeah, more.
4: I'm going with Patrick Beverly only because, look, you would have thought the Timberwolves won the NBA title after they won, I think, the play-in game. And then it was just such a back and forth. I think he was doing what Draymond was doing, being more annoying than being a good
2: defender against the Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a nuisance. He's a pest. Well, can he guard anybody? I mean, that's that's what I want to know. If you're a, a great defender, it, it's like, you know, Draymond, are you guarding the best players? And the answer is no. No. It's like Marcus Smart. You're the defensive player of the year. Are you guarding Steph? Sometimes
4: he's not the best defender on his team. Ooh, because Robert, Robert Williams. Yeah, Robert Ooh. Williams. Yeah, it
2: was great. But that—that's—that's uh, that's a different. That's old school defense with Robert Williams. And and had he stayed healthier, you know, you still go back to when it was two-one Boston, and you're thinking, all right, this is big. And you let Steph, well, you didn't let him, but you you didn't stop him from going off. Because if Boston wins that, they're going to win the championship. I mean, it's one of the more incredible performances where you go, that guy is going off in Boston. Yes, Eden. Do you think uh, Patrick Beverly
1: watches Draymond Green and is like, damn, that dude's annoying. Or do you think he's like like a connoisseur of like, yes, that's how you do it, baby. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, we, we pick up tips. I'm always watching shooters to pick up a tip. Do you think that Patrick Beverly watches Draymond Green and goes, oh, I'm going to add that to my hey, arsenal. I should start doing the clap in the face more. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to have my wife complain about people uh, using the F word in a game on the road in the playoffs in the NBA finals. Wait, I'm not married. i got to get married and then get a wife and then have kids and then the kids can't be hearing that kind of language unless we go to a victory parade and then I'm allowed to drop F-bombs in front of, I don't know, a few million people. That's it. Yes, yeah, Mark.
4: Draymond was do- doing this in the finals. Patrick Beverly was doing this in the play and in the first round. So I think
2: there's a different level. He was doing it in studio. Yeah. Oh, uh, he was... He was doing it in studio. He was studio. going off. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. The uh, Dodgers pitching coach, former Chicago Cub All-Star, Mark Pryor, is going to join us. USC Trojan. Uh, Paulie was like, hey, can we have Mark Pryor on, please? I go,
0: sure. He goes, I didn't know he was the Dodgers pitching I know. coach so a couple well, weeks ago. well,
2: we're going to have Mark Pryor. He's going to join us. He's going to join us coming up next. Paulie gets to take a trip down memory lane, talk about all the Cubs' disappointments, even though they had... Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood. They had a chance. Good times. Just didn't work out.
0: Well, pain. All right.
2: We'll take a break. Back after this Dan Patrick show. Summer is here. It's only June. You got record high temperatures across the country. You want to go outside. You want to be comfortable. And you can. Link Soul. L-I-N-K-S-O-U-L. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All
3: be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock.
2: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love pick six. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat, rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick Six, the crown is yours.
6: Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. 18 plus in most eligible states, age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick Six not available in all states, including but
3: not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up to date list of states, visit DKNG.co
2: slash Pick Six States. Void where prohibited. See terms at picksix.draftkings.com
6: slash promos. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand.
2: They say good things come to those who wait. The 2022 Mercedes-Benz SUV family proves otherwise. Takes no time at all to set up a test drive at your local Mercedes-Benz dealer. Learn more, MBUSA.com. Dodgers beat the Reds last night, and uh, they're currently the top team in the National League West. Their pitching coach is the uh, former Major League pitcher and uh, former All-Star from the Chicago Cubs, Mark Pryor, back on the program. Hey, Mark, how are you today? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great. Been a long time, and uh, congrats on uh, the gig as the Dodgers pitching coach. Uh, give us an idea of what what is the role on game day for the pitching coach. Uh, yeah,
7: I mean, I, I think basically preparing our starters, making sure our starters and our catcher um, you know, that everybody's on the same page from a game planning standpoint. Uh, I think that's probably the primary role as far as the game, preparing for the game. Uh, so it's a lot of, you know, kind of backroom uh, preparation with our advanced coaches and uh, our infield, outfield coaches on positioning and just making sure we're all on the same page on how we're going to pitch guys. And attack them, and then making sure we're positioned accordingly. Hopefully that, uh, so we can maybe steal some outs, uh, whether it's shifting or not shifting um, as things change. And then, as well as just checking in with all our other pitchers. Obviously, with uh guys, starters have bullpens in between outings, making sure that uh, you know we're prepared there, getting ready for the next start. Uh, we go to Atlanta this weekend, so. Today we'll be getting kind of like Julio uh, and Andrew Heaney ready for those those starts this weekend, um, and then just kind of anything that comes up on a daily basis. Which there's a myriad of things that, that come up daily, so uh, uh, it's it's fun. It's uh, it's always engaged. No day no day is the same, and uh, I think that's what keeps it uh, you know keeps the adrenaline going constantly.
2: Explain to me when a pitcher has it in the bullpen but not on the mound, or vice versa
7: yeah i i don't know if i can explain that i've uh i mean as a player uh i learned quickly not to put too much stock in how i was thrown in the bullpen whether that was good or bad uh because things for some reason change when you get out there uh and i think definitely as a coach i always get asked like how was he and uh i always (laughs) just kind of shrug my shoulders and say you know he was fine because i've seen guys lights out in the bullpen uh, and then as soon as they get out there, I mean, even last night, Tony was lights out in the bullpen and, and he struggled to find his command, you know, in those first couple batters. Uh, and it cost him a homer, a homer to India. But, uh, um, I've seen Kirsch, you know, one of the best games I've seen him ever pitch, uh, was in San Diego a couple of years ago. And I mean, he couldn't find the plate in the, in the bullpen and he even joked about it. Uh, on the way walk in, he's like, "Hey, you know, did that scare you?" And I was like, "No, you look great." <laughs> and you know, he went out and you know, I think he struck out eight nine guys and went six innings plus, and uh, it was just lights out against obviously a very very good offensive team with Machado and Tatis. So, you know, it's a weird thing. You know, it, it, you know, sometimes it clicks. Sometimes it takes until the fourth inning for it to click too. So. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's got to be something where, you know, you cross that line so the adrenaline gets picked up a little bit and maybe you just kind of get off, your timing gets off a little bit. And and I think sometimes when you're bad in the bullpen, you just, if you've been around and you've done it long enough, you just kind of say, screw it. And you'll be like, you know, I know how to pitch and I'll, I'll remember once I get out there. So it's just kind of one of those things that you don't really have an answer to. And you just, you know, as a pitching coach, you just cross your fingers and you hope for the best sometimes that uh, these guys will figure it out because they're really good at doing that.
2: Is it fair to look at today's starting pitchers or any pitcher as it almost feels like everybody is headed towards Tommy John surgery? Or it's it's almost like that badge of courage that you're eventually, if you if your job is to throw as hard as you can for as long as you can, is it avoidable?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's avoidable. I mean, it's it's definitely something that's uh, you know it's part of our game. It's part of our industry, and I don't think uh, as a, as an industry we've been able to you know tackle that that problem of how to avoid it. And you know, we've I think from you know guys, you're trying to protect guys, you're trying to limit some of their pitches. You know, those guys go down. You push guys, and you know, said that they're athletic and are their delivery is great. Those guys go down. And then you got guys that, you know, from scouts to evaluators to coaches, you say that's not going to work and they never go down. So it's not a, it's definitely not an exact science. It's not something that anybody, even if the success rate of Tommy John surgeries and guys coming back is, is pretty high. It's not something you ever want to do. So, um, but that, you know, I'm sure there's some correlation to the, to the velocity. I think, you know, the amount of high, high leverage high intense throws that these guys make on a daily basis uh to generate the forces it's probably you know long term probably not a great thing but uh it's it's what plays right now and this is how the game's evolved and um you know it, it's it's pretty amazing what these guys can do physically uh unfortunately sometimes there's a cost and, and that's you know your elbow or your shoulder or, or something and uh, you just try to try to minimize that I think you know from where it was 20 years ago when I first came in I think the industry's grown leaps and bounds in a positive way as far as training methods uh, you know the sports performance industry and what the strength coaches can do with guys to prepare them to put their bodies in good positions so uh, I do think that we've come a long way in trying to help prevent it uh, but I just don't think it's inevitable I don't think it's avoidable with everybody
2: knowing what you know now what would you have done differently when you were with the Cubs
7: uh, I don't know if I would have done anything differently, to be honest. I mean, I, I think I'm a product of, of who I was and what I did and in the experiences that I had. So I, I don't think I would definitely have changed anything. Would I have liked to, you know, played longer at a higher level? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, would I maybe adjusted some of my training regiments and maybe some of my, you know, some of my delivery stuff, you know, arm action, knowing what I know now? Yeah, I probably would have made those adjustments maybe sooner than after, you know, post-injuries. Um, but at the end of the day, like my experiences are are kind of how, you know, they've shaped who I am today. And I think they've only helped me as a coach. So I definitely wouldn't have changed anything. And I loved, uh, the moments that we had in Chicago, but there's probably some things that, you know, we just didn't know back then, uh, as probably as far as the way the body worked and the delivery worked and, and how to train, you know, more as an individual versus just kind of the masses. So I probably hopefully would have been able to, you know, you know, do some things differently uh, to kind of maximize my body and make it a little bit more efficient for the way I worked. Um, but as far as, you know, my decisions to, to pitch, to, to, to go out there every fifth day, and even if I wasn't feeling good, I, I wouldn't have changed it.
2: He's Mark Pryor. He's the Dodgers pitching coach, former uh, baseball pitcher, certainly for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I still go back to that Kerry Wood day in April against the Astros. And I know that, you know, they rank these – I think it was his sixth start of his career. I don't know if there's another dominating performance. Um, And I know they rank these. How would you quantify or or describe, uh, you know, 20 strikeouts in a game as a rookie against a really good Astros lineup?
7: Yeah, very, very good team. Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's gotta be up there is is at least a top three, if not, you know, one of the best. I think just when you when you lump in all the variables to, to like you said, you know, he has a rookie against you know, his fifth or sixth outing, against a really good offensive team, against, you know, some of those guys are in the Hall of Fame or borderline Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, cold, rainy, kind of ugly day, um, and just the stuff that I think you go back and you watch the videos and you know, now we can quantify these these things and these pitch movements, but just to see the the movement on some of those pitches, the breaking balls that he was throwing are were just ridiculous. And he, even now, it, you know, when everybody says the velocity and the movements today are so much nastier, I mean, it would be hard pressed to <laughs> see some of the things that he was doing with the baseball that you still
2: don't see necessarily on a daily basis. Here. It was a so, frisbee. He was, uh, or, he was he was throwing a frisbee yeah. that day, Mark. He was. I I love that yeah, description it because was, it was true.
7: Yeah, no, and so uh, I think when you when you put all the put all those things together, I mean, it's got to be one of the best performances of all time. And I'm sure there's performances on you know in playoff games and stuff like that that uh, you know might rank in theoretically above them. But when you're just looking at raw stuff and what he did and, and how he made hitters look, it's definitely <laughs> one of the top two or threes. You know, maybe like a Randy Johnson performance is probably in there somewhere. Um, you know, in his 20 strikeout games. Um uh, you know, Clemens back in the day when he was just blowing guys by and those so you know there's there's definitely some some dominant performances, but I think just the sheer awkward swings from some of these really, really good hitters, uh it's it's pretty impressive.
2: You faced prime Barry Bonds. I got you you hit him one time and the benches cleared. You remember that?
7: Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. That was uh that was an intriguing day for sure. <laughs>
2: Why Why was it so intriguing?
7: Uh, he's a uh, He was a very uh, imposing figure. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was a game. It was the third game of a series. And, uh, you know, it was – I'm trying to think. I think Woody threw the first game and, and might have hit him on a couple breaking balls. And then I think Barry took uh, one of our pitchers deep in the middle game twice in a game. And, um, you know, it was – my intention was I, I think I threw one of the – three change-ups I threw all year with the pitch before and then we tried to go back inside and it just got away from me and you know obviously he didn't he didn't appreciate it and I totally understand that and uh but in the heat of the moment you know I was young and 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 probably a little brash at the time and uh you know I'm sure i maybe said some things that I you know probably weren't the most respectful thing to somebody of his stature so uh, fortunately I had some older veterans that, you know, <laughs> grabbed me by the, by the collar and pulled me out of there and said, you know, let's, let's tone it down. So, uh, no, nah, he was, uh, I mean, he was a force for sure. And, um, you know, fortunately I only had to face him three or four times cause we, he wasn't in our division, but, uh, there wasn't a lot you could throw by, you know, get by him or even make him look silly. It was, it was ridiculous
2: during that stretch. How would you sum up the Dodgers pitching staff?
7: Uh, you know, I, I think we're doing well. You know, injuries have, uh, like as in most teams, injuries have, have played a role in where we are at right now. But I, I really like the way our guys have come together and stepped up. Uh, you know, to fill come, you know, the Wonker buehler void uh, when Clayton was out. You know, we've had some guys, and Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson in the starting rotation have and have done an extremely good job of, of filling those, uh, those shoes. Uh, Tony's been pitching extremely well all year, and he's been. Really consistent, so that's been a nice development and see his growth. Uh, I, I think our bullpen, you know, is always undervalued at times. In the four years that I've been here, um, they they come together as a group and and really buy into you know pitching as a group and pitching as one as their own like kind of entity versus individuals and and that's really fun to watch those guys. They really come in, they step into any role in any situation. Uh, and, and they get their outs, and they do their job, and that's kind of how their mindset is, is to kind of pick each other up and pass a baton. So uh, it's really fun to watch our bullpen when it comes together. Um, at times, they've really had to pick up the slack during these injuries. Uh, in these last month we played a lot of games and a lot of days, uh, so they got taxed, and, and there was never, uh, you know, in a complaint. They wanted the ball every single day, and they really want to go out and try to close games out. And so – um, from, from that standpoint, it, it, it's been really awesome to see. And I think ultimately that'll pay dividends at the end of the year when, when these games, hopefully we get some guys healthy. Uh, we get back to kind of, you know, maybe not full force, but somewhat of, you know, the way, you know, our front office have put this team together. But, uh, these big games that these guys are pitching now, I think pay dividends at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to be a strong group, um, towards the end of this to hopefully help our offense go out and win some games. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still a long way to go, but I've been really happy with the way they've been pitching, uh, attacking the strike zone and getting outs.
2: Good to talk to you again, Mark, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. That's Mark Pryor, Dodgers pitching coach. Of course, he was one of those can't miss. He was a can't miss prospect because we looked at his delivery. I remember baseball tonight would break down his delivery man that that's the kind of delivery you want that'll hold up you know for a long career but we also did that with steven strasberg as well they were like he can't miss now Strasburg's had a better career than mark did but when mark and Kerry wood were there and the cubs were competing and it was a fun place to be uh adam in la joins us hi adam what's on your mind
0: All
6: right, Dan, filing a formal complaint for today. Worst part of the show is all the Yankee references. I'm a
1: diehard Red Sox fan. I want to put uh, a pie-to-the-face bet, and I don't like pie, especially fruit pies, but I'll take one. But I guarantee... The Yankees are going to have the best record ever for a Major League Baseball team, and will not win the World Series. Um, personally, I do have some money on the Red Sox to win the World Series this year, so I'm biased. But um, definitely, um, I want to see the greatest choke since '04 obviously um, happen again in '22 for the Yankees. So I'd love to see them suffer. I thought I'd be okay when we won the World Series, but I, I still want to see the Yankees suffer for so the rest. Of my anybody
2: life. want a piece of Adams' bet? There, he's got the Yankees as the all-time. Best record. And uh, Seattle's got the most wins, don't they? Was that like 116? Is that right, Adam? 116 for Seattle? Um, I-,
1: I thought it was the 31 Philadelphia Athletics. To not win the World Series, I want to say it was that team. Oh, the wins. best.
2: Okay. Well, well, Seattle didn't win the World Series either, but uh, we'll check on that. Was that uh, anybody want a piece of that? It's tasty, though, because there's a few ways that... You can there's... win two ways. Yeah. They have. They
1: don't have the best record of all time. Or do you split? Like what? Say the Yankees don't have the best record of all time, but do win the World Series. You would still win. You would still win. Yeah.
2: So you got two chances to win one. Interesting. I'll take that. All right. I'm in. All right. Ooh, Todd almost leaned in. Yeah.
3: Can we both go in on that? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's all both right. do it together. All Back right. row. Back all row. Right. Back.
2: Back row. I like it. I like it. Was um, Was that the 1931, is that Chuck Klein? Is he the uh, star of the uh, athletics back then? 1931, (laughs) Philadelphia. Yeah,
0: Paul. There's a few teams that have had like 104 wins (laughs) plus. The 2021 Dodgers, uh, 2021 Giants had 107 wins. The uh, 04 Cardinals, 105 wins. The Mariners in 01, 116 wins. And they outscored their opponents by over 300 runs on the season.
2: Yeah, but... Is that the most wins for a team not winning the World Series? I'm going to say yes.
0: Yes, because also the teams way back in the day didn't play enough games. Yeah,
2: they played 154. Maybe
0: winning percentage someone has.
2: Well, he didn't say that. Yeah. He said best record of all time. All
0: right, we'll take a
2: break. Last call for phone calls. Also, the Louisville football team did quite well the last couple of weeks, and they got one of the top running backs, top two running backs in the country going to Louisville. And one of the top, I think, five wide receivers. I got the price tag for that, according to a source of Papa John's must be paying off down there in Louisville. Isn't that they're a title sponsor at Louisville? We're back after this Dan Patrick show.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: All right, everybody, game off.
3: Begins.
2: Last call. let's go call. Phone calls. well we learn? What's in store tomorrow? Got the draft coming up tomorrow night. I'm uh, I'm not bullish on Chet Holmgren. I'm fascinated by him, but I've I've been led to slaughter before when I thought, boy, this guy is going to change the game. I thought Sean Bradley was going to change the NBA. 7'6", could run the floor, nice touch uh, when he goes second overall to Philadelphia, and uh, he was on a lot of posters, a lot of posters where he got dunked on. But uh, Chet Holmgren, good handle, good touch. I don't know if he can, you know, bulk up. It's, it's one thing to be Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant is not somebody who's a rim protector blocking shots. But Kevin Durant's also one of the great shooters in the history of the game. I mentioned that uh, Louisville football has uh, signed the second-best running back, second-rated running back in the country. And they also got, I think, one of the top five wide receivers. So I reached out to a college source, and I said, uh, hey, Louisville, uh, Papa John's must be paying well. My source goes, six figures for the wide receiver – Seven figures for the running back. (laughs) And he goes on to say, it's not like they're getting players from Kentucky, Ohio, or Florida, which is their footprint. It's Los Angeles and Texas. You're not just getting them because, hey, come on in. We got a nice campus here. We're going to give you a tour of the uh, Yum Yum Center here. (laughs) Uh, The price of football, college football. Today would have been Pistol Pete Maravich's 75th birthday. So he died 35 years ago. I think he was 40 years of age playing in a pickup game. They didn't know he had a heart defect. And uh, I was lucky to have seen him in the early 70s when he first came into the NBA. And uh, he put on an unbelievable show against Nate Archibald in the Cincinnati Royals. Back and forth. Great. No defense. Loved it. And then when Pistol Pete went into the Hall of Fame, I got to go to uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and I sat down with him, did an interview with him. And uh, they have, if you've been to the Basketball Hall of Fame, if you haven't, they have a conveyor belt at the very end where you get to shoot baskets, and they have different uh, hoops there. And, and they're not up 10 feet, but they stopped the conveyor belt so Pete Maravich could shoot. And... I had my cameraman, you know, get some footage of Pete shooting. And then when he was done, I grabbed the basketball and I was shooting next to Maravich as we're both there on this conveyor belt. Oh. No, it was, it, was, it, was, it was unbelievable. It was great. But when you see somebody and the ball's meant to be in their hand, it's just, I mean, it, it's it really, it's beautiful. Like Steph Curry, the ball is just meant to be in his hand to shoot. And Maravich, it, it was just, you see the, the follow-through, the rhythm, and, you know, it's just second nature to him. Yeah, see?
1: That's how it was with uh, when we had Pedro Martinez in studio. Just
2: the way he held a baseball yeah. was like, that's different than most people. Yeah. By the way, uh, we have that bet. Uh, the background is a bet with the Yankees. Will they have the most wins in baseball history? They're on pace right now for 119 wins this season. Um let's see. The nineteen oh six Cubs were one sixteen and thirty six lost to the White Sox in the uh in the World Series. Too soon.
0: Yeah. Sorry about that. Let it breathe.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's tough for you to get over that. Uh, Let's see. What do we
0: have? Uh, this Day in Sports History, Paulie. Dan, uh, I, uh, the Sports History, you got it with Pete Maravich. I got a, a little fun, quick 30-second game for you guys. Okay. This Day in Movie History. These two movies were released on the same week in June of 1987. Which movie would you say, yes, I would keep that one, and the other one you say, I can never watch it again? All right. The two movies released June of 87. Untouchables with peak Kevin Costner.
2: Mm. Yeah, be careful. You don't want Costner coming after That's you again. true.
0: Or... Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick, Hmm. Matthew Modine, very well-reviewed movie. And
2: Matthew Modine is now Papa. Yeah. He's Papa in Stranger (laughs) Things. He's so good in that. That's creepy, though. Yeah. Yeah, when Eleven goes, Papa. So good. Uh, Yes, he is. He's really creepy. Um, I would go with... Untouchables
0: or Full Metal Jacket?
2: Untouchables. All right. Because I had Sean Connery in, in Untouchables. It's been a while since I've seen Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, it's not one it. of those, you know, hey, let's settle in and watch Full Metal Jacket. Not for the kids. No, it's not. Is that the I uh, love the smell of napalm in the morning? Is that what,
0: That's Apocalypse Now.
2: Oh, that's Apocalypse Now. Vincent
0: yeah. D'Onofrio is uh, Private Pyle in Full Metal Jacket.
2: Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have the dinner scene with uh, Al Capone in The Untouchables
0: with De Niro. If you're eating pasta and someone's got a baseball bat behind you. Yes. Have your head on <laughs> yes. a swivel. Yes. Yes. Yes, Todd. What?
4: I did not see either one of those movies. I may have seen a part of Full Metal Jacket. I definitely didn't see The Untouchables.
2: Yeah. Also, do you know what happened on this date? 1981. First round win at Wimbledon. The opponent was Tom Gullickson. I think they were part of twins. Tim and Tom Gullickson. Uh, doubles partners. John McEnroe's famous You Cannot Be Serious on this date 1981 no kidding 1986 hand of god diego maradona oh yeah who did argentina beat one nil Pauly england yes they this did This is
0: not gonna go over well in our london affiliate
2: no no i know uh let's see on this date 1994 john starks kept shooting he went 0 for 11 from three-point range Rockets beat the Knicks Game 7 of the NBA Finals, Houston's first NBA championship. Uh, Let's see. Anything else in there? No, I think that's it. Final results of the poll question. Seton O'Connor? Dan, we got two for you. Okay, a twofer. Yep, we got a twofer. Uh,
1: Right now, 66% of the audience say Gronk will be hosting a Vegas pool party next January instead of uh, playing in the playoffs or calling the playoffs. Uh And... A solid 95% are, are cereal, then milk. Okay. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I got some uh, DraftKings numbers here. The favorite for tomorrow night to go number one to Orlando, Jabari Smith. And I think that's the right choice for Orlando. That they need that kind of player. Wing scorer, they don't need, they have a couple of, you know, rim protectors. Chad Holmgren then going to Oklahoma City. Uh, Banchero going third and then uh, Jaden Ivey. I like Ivy a lot. I, you know, it's one of those. I don't know what position he's going to play, but uh, let me see. What else do we have? Uh, American League MVP odds. You guys know who the favorite is. I mentioned Paul Goldschmidt was the National League favorite according to DraftKings. Aaron Judge, and then it's uh, Shohei Ohtani. Uh, Mike Trout is in there as well. Jose Ramirez is in there uh, as well. And I was curious about Tom Brady. Over-under touchdown passes this season. No Gronk this year. Over-under Tom Brady, according to DraftKings.
0: Paulie? 33 and a half. Todd?
2: 36 and a half. Seton? 27. Marv? 29. 35 and a half this year. All right, Tommy? All right. What well, we learned brought to you by Discover. Has your back with cash back. Earn 5% cash back at gas stations in Target now through June, up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. Learn more, discover.com slash rewards limitations apply. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.
6: Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture.